2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 8, and verse 15. Wasn't that a wonderful special by the choir and by Brother Randy? That was just such a blessing, and I appreciate Brother Randy and his hard work he puts in on the choir and the orchestra and all the good music. I believe it's Christ-honored music, amen? I didn't come here for a rock and roll concert. I didn't come here to be entertained in the flesh. I came here to worship God. Amen. I don't apologize for our music. Matter of fact, I applaud it. Uh, if I applaud it in the house of God, I'll amen it. Say amen. I want to preach this morning on the true meaning of Christmas. The true meaning of Christmas. I had this nice sermon. It's good to have all our children here and uh, our children's church workers. They do a wonderful job, junior church workers in the preschool church. I don't believe they're going to let them out. And uh, you need to go by and tell Miss Taylor you appreciate her and all the good work she does back there also. Appreciate what God's done in Brother Robert's life this week. Let's go to the Word of God, Proverbs, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And, uh, and then we're also going to be in chapter 8 just for a few moments. And I meant to say this. I'm terrible about taking up offerings. The offering envelopes for the Christmas offerings in the pew. If it's not in the pew, run and go see Brother Darrell. He has a pocket full of them or he will have a pocket full of them. Amen? Some of the ushers will have them, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, let's all stand. I'll read um, one verse. It says, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Amen. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. You may be seated. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for the beautiful choir specials. And the great solo, God, the great hymn play and the great uh, music that we've heard played. God, it's all because we're here to worship you and adore you. And Lord, you're the reason for the season, but you're the reason for life. And Lord, we thank you for every good and perfect gift that cometh down from above. But most of all, Lord, we thank you that you came down from above and that you are our gift. And Lord, we rejoice in this Christmas. Because you came to us, and you was born to die, and you died that we might live. And we thank you for what you have done in our lives. By the grace of God, we're here. Lord, we think about Miss Powell, and she's struggling for life in the ICU, and others that we visited this week. God, for those that said goodbye to loved ones, or good night if they're saved. God, it's a hard time for those families to go through this. But it ought to remind us that every heartbeat and every breath is a gift from God. Amen. So Lord, please be with these families. But be with us to be good stewards of every heartbeat and of every day and of every gift that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to notice the word unspeakable gift. The word unspeakable translates a word that is used here for the first time in the Greek language. Paul needed a word to describe the great riches that has been given to us in Jesus. But he did not possess a suitable word in the entire vocabulary, so Paul invented a word. The word Paul used was indescribable. It's unspeakable. When Paul 
said this at this great chapter, which is not a Christmas chapter, it's one of the greatest giving chapters in the Bible. And by the way, you better not pout when you don't get what you want for Christmas. Say amen. Because it ain't about you. It's about Him. Say amen, all you big pouting children. You overgrown children. Some people expect something, they don't get it, and they pout for a week. I've seen people get upset during Christmas time. God forbid. I've seen people get stressed out trying to buy Aunt Thelma something that nobody can ever satisfy her. So you're out there stressed out. You know what you ought to do? Get her a gift certificate for Cracker Barrel and say, God bless you. Amen. That's what I'd do to Aunt Thelma. Amen. But you know, Christmas time can be very stressful. It can be very selfish. It can be very personally getting instead of giving. And so this morning, I want to enlighten you that Jesus is a gift so good, so great, so wonderful, that we really can't describe it. He's indescribable. As Larry Brown said one time preaching here on a Tuesday night, there's nobody like him. And there is nobody like him. Say amen. And so folks, you better not pout because I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming to town. And he has already come to you. And so if Christmas is only, the only thing Christmas is to you is some story about how you're going to get what you want if you're good. Folks, that's not even a gift. That's a, that's a wage. Say amen. You got it all wrong. Christmas is about Him. If you're saved today, you need a reason to praise God. Just, just say the word Jesus. That's enough. Hey, if you, if, you got, if you need to have a reason to be joyful during this season, which is the most depressing season for the ones that are preoccupied with themselves, then just say Jesus. Just describe His goodness. It says, thanks be unto God. Probably this verse is more of a thanksgiving verse. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable, indescribable, wonderful, abundant, joyful Christmas. Folks, Jesus Christ came to this world. and God became a man so that we might have life for His people. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. Look at it real closely. I'll try to hurry because I know y'all got to get to Walmart. But I just shouldn't have said that. Verse 21, it says this, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name, say it with me, class, Jesus, where he shall save his people from their sins. I want to ask you a question. Are you saved? If you're saved, then you have a sacred responsibility to get this season in order and to get your life in order as a sacred trust, and live to give, and not live to get. Say amen. Philippians 2 says that we ought to have this mind which is in Christ, that he thought it not robbery be equal to God, but he became of no reputation, became obedient, even obedient unto death. And he came to you when you couldn't come to him. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. So folks, our Lord came to us. Now go back to our text, and I want you to look at the preceding chapter. I just want to preach a few minutes. 
I've always wanted to do that. I haven't never done it, but I'm going to try. I want you to look at Rome, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for, listen, for your sake he became poor. He's poor in his birth, poor in his life, even poor in his death, had to borrow a tomb. He's poor. This is this, as far as the world's concerned. That he, that ye through his poverty might be what? Rich. You're rich. You're saved. You're rich. I want you to take a moment to think about what God has given you for Christmas. What God has given you as a Christian. Number one, he's given you forgiveness of sin. Psalms 103 verse 12. He's redeemed your soul. He bought you as a slave and made you accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1, 7. He, give you, he gives you everlasting life. I said everlasting life. Some of your toys will not last till January 5th or 4th. It might not last to December 26th. Say amen right there. I've had a few break on me when I first opened them up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Your toaster might go out. Your blender might not blend. Or some of you rich people that give your wives these, the car might not crank. The dress might not fit, especially if we keep eating like we're eating. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. There's an indescribable, unspeakable gift called salvation that will never, never, never give out. Never pass its warranty. Isn't it amazing that you always have trouble with the product two days after the warranty ends? I think they plan it that way, amen? But I got a warranty of everlasting life, amen? I mean forever and ever I'm going to live. Now folks, anytime you get depressed, you ought to think about where you're going to live and how long you're going to live, and thank God, think about being saved, saved, saved by the grace of God. You're redeemed from sin. You have everlasting life. Romans 8, 15 says you're adopted. That means you have a father that will take care of you. You have a home in heaven. John 14, a home in heaven. It's a hard time of the year, isn't it? Because we miss our loved ones so much. I never miss my mom and dad, and I must, I must have that child in my heart more than on Christmas Day. Because I remember all the sacrifices they made to give me that red bicycle. And if it had a big old basket on it, and it said, take a paper out as soon as you can. Amen? My mother made me work. Thank God it was a blessing. I learned to work when I was a kid. But I had a bicycle with a basket bigger than the bicycle on it because she knew I was going to deliver papers. And so thank God, friend, we have a home in heaven, and we're going to be with our loved ones one day. That'll give you joy and peace in your heart. The unspeakable gift I'm preaching on this morning, God gave me this message about 5 o'clock this morning, that really makes a 68-year-old preacher nervous when he changes your message at 6 o'clock in the morning. Y'all might can tell it was changed, but I don't care. I'm going to preach what God told me to preach. 
We have not only a home in heaven, adopted as sons of God's everlasting life, redemption from sin, forgiveness of sin, but the Bible tells us that we have His abiding presence. He'll never leave you or forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. I'm going to preach on loneliness tonight if I can get to it. And folks, the antidote for loneliness is one word, Emmanuel. God is with us. Can somebody smile about that, please? We have His abiding presence. We have a perfect promises. 2 Peter 1, 4. We have everlasting love, Jeremiah 33, 31.3. Hey, we have His amazing grace. That's described in this verse. He was rich, but for your sakes He became poor, that through His poverty you might be rich. There's no greater verse on the grace of God than that verse. Say amen. We have the amazing grace. We have boundless provision. My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. You know, when I was coming up, my mother didn't have much because my daddy drank it all up. We didn't have much for Christmas. But my mother would scrounge and save, and sometimes she'd put some fruit in a, a brown paper sack, but she'd always save up and get us that one gift that we always begged and hinted and bribed for all year, like a red bicycle with a big basket. Folks, I want to tell you something. My God's not broke. My Father in heaven has it all. And He's going to give you what you can handle. Amen. Amen. Folks, I want to tell you another blessing of salvation, the unspeakable gift, the Holy Spirit. Well, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. Folks, if there was one prayer request, I'd have children. If I had one prayer request and only one prayer request, I'd pray for the Holy Spirit to fill my life, Amen. control my life. The Holy Spirit lives through you. Folks, does that not take the pressure off the Christian life, that you don't have to live it, that He lives it through you? He not only saves you, He fills you and empowers you to be saved and stay saved and act saved and look saved and enjoy being saved. It's all a gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me give you another one, unspeakable gift. We have His precious Word. Everybody needs a message. And that message is straight from God, His Word. And then I, there's something I'm really thankful for in this unspeakable gift. And I feel His presence this morning, and every time I walk in this church, I love it. And I've been pastoring the same church 42 years this February. And I don't dread coming here because of the glorious church God has given. I'm not talking about this local assembly. I'm talking about every believer. Matter of fact, I got a conviction early this morning about praying for every church in Dalton area that's scriptural, that's doctrinally sound. Why should we pray for just our ministry? That's selfish. I want them to be blessed across the street or across the uh, tract or wherever if they preach the gospel. A glorious church. Those are ample reasons to have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and not get over Thanksgiving. There's the verse. Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. Now, folks, that ends two chapters on giving and the grace of God. I want to give you just a few things, and I'm just going to highlight 
it in, in, in just a few minutes. It's already seven minutes till 12, and some of you think I'm supposed to stop at 12. That won't happen. It never has happened. If we get out of 1230, I'm going to rejoice. I didn't come here to leave, by the way. I came here to be blessed. No, I didn't. Let me take that back. I come to bless his holy name. And I think we spend more time at a ball game than we do at a worship service. Come on. Come on. Number one, the grace of God is found in chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 7 says, Therefore, as, I, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, are you with me? 8, 7, you with me? It says this, In knowledge, in all diligence, in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. This grace also. What is that grace? It's the grace of giving. I'm going to tell you this, friend. I'm going to be real, real honest with y'all. By nature, we're selfish. Say amen. So amen. By nature, you want it, and you want it now, or you wanted it yesterday, and by nature, you'll get a lot of things, but you'll always say, I might take this one back. I want something I want. It's hard to take things back you don't want, but praise God, don't take everything back. <laughs> bad about that. Hey, the grace of God allows you to die to self, mortify the deeds of the self, and live for others and live for God's glory and not live for your little old self. You're a most miserably wrapped, tight present if you live for yourself. You're miserable. And nobody can please you. And I want to tell you something, you're depressed half the time and you're pouting and you, you need to grow up spiritually and realize that this life is not about you. It's about others and about God. And, you're, and God has sacredly trusted you to have this grace also. The grace of giving. Without the grace of God, you will not give much to this service or to this church. And I'm not talking about monetary. All of you start gripping your pocketbooks and your wallets when I start talking about giving. A lot of people come to this church. The only reason they come to this church is to get some help. I make them sit through one entire service before I'll help them. You say, why would you do that? Because they need to learn the grace of God, amen? amen? And every time I give them some money for food or money for rent or money for power, and we do that, and thank God for you giving, I say, why don't the next time you come, why don't you come, come to give? And they look at me offended. They didn't mind get, asking a total stranger to give them something, but if I ask them to give something, what? Then I look at them after they get really insulted. And I say, I didn't say anything about money. I said, won't you come next time and give God worship? Because this 50 bucks is from God. You'd be sleeping on the streets if it wasn't for this $50. This motel payment. Why don't you come the next time you come to church and give God the glory. Worship Him. Then they loosen up a little bit and they're not so offended while they take your $50 out the door. <laughs> come on, am I being mean? I'm just being honest, friend. Listen, you don't come to church to get. You don't live in this life to get. You don't, you don't become a Christian to get. 
Folks, you come to the Lord to give your life to Him. He deserves it. He's worthy. Praise God. And the grace of God helps us not to live for our little wrap package self. Amen. This is not the sweetest Christmas message I've ever preached. I'll tell you that right now. The grace of God. It's the grace of giving. But look at verse 8. It says, I speak not commandment, but by occasion of forwardness to, uh, of others. We're 8-8. 2 Corinthians 8-8. And to prove the what? The sincerity of your love. I love you, hon. You never give her any time. You never give her any conversation. You never give her a break. Hey, you never give any help in the kitchen. Come on. You never pick up a vacuum cleaner. I'm talking about you lazy men. You know, all you do is give her flack and give her trouble and give her commands. That's not much love. Folks, when you love, you give. You give 40 hours a week so she, so she, she wanted to go out in this crazy world and labor. Say amen. You give her a, a roof over her head. You give her love. You give her appreciation. You give her uh, uh, time. You give her conversation. Why? Because the proof of your love is that you give. Say amen. For God so loved the world that he gave. Amen. Thank you. You can come in here anytime you want to if you'll keep amen. Amen. <laughs> Proof of your love is you give. Proof of grace in your heart is you give. Folks, listen. Here's the description, verse 9, of the amazing love, grace of God. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. I'm sure glad God gave. I'm sure glad that God gave up the splendor and glory of heaven for an old sinner like me. I'm glad he gave his life a ransom for many. I'm glad, folks, that he's, he's given us a reason to live, and that's to give God glory, give God our life, our body, our soul, our will, as Mary did as I preached last week, to give all that we have to minister unto his name. And then I want you to see, second of all, not only the grace of God in this great chapter ending up with a crescendo of thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, I want you to see the grace of God through us. The true Christmas spirit that goes out the door sometimes with the old wilted tree that should never go out the door is the spirit of grace through us. It's the spirit of God through us. Look at verse 6 of chapter 9. It says, With this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now some people say, Well, I don't think you ought to give to get. I don't think you ought to sow to get. Won't you talk to a farmer sometime? He don't sow just for the sowing of it. He don't sow to say he's a farmer. He don't sow, so his neighbors will say, I am a farmer. I'll tell you why he sows. He sows that fruit might come up. He sows for a crop to come up. If you sow to sin, you better pray for crop failure. Amen. But I just want to say this. We shouldn't sow sparingly. 
We ought to give everything we got to God. When I played sports, I gave everything I had to that sport. I played soccer in college. I lost two teeth, one knee, and two bones in my leg. What else did I lose? And a lot of energy. And boys, all to win that ball game and pay for my college. Folks, if we'd give as much to God as we give to sports and things of this world and ourselves, we'd be most dynamic Christians alive. Say amen. Hey, if we'd give more to God than we'd try to give to get and manipulate people, we'd be dynamic Christians. Say amen. Most time people give, so oh, I hope she gives me this. Or bartered love, you know. Well, I'm going to give this, but I hope I get more back. Well, I want to tell you something. The only guarantee you'll do that is with the Lord. You give, he'll give you much more. Amen. Say amen. But look at verse 7. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give not what? Grudgingly. <laughs> Woo! I've seen some people's faces on Christmas saying, I'm going to give this, but I better get what I want. I'll give this, but they don't know the junk I went through and the line I, I, I went to Black Friday and spent half the night just ordered online praise God didn't just forget it well when I brought I had to go to the post office and pick up the big old box and it got lost in the mail and you grudgingly give that gift to somebody <laughs> if they could read your mind they'd say uh, no thank you I ain't going to take that gift you're going to give it like that isn't that the way some people give to God I mean, the offering, plate, the offering plate is passed, so help me. Sometimes I wish I could just say, hey, play what they really think. Play taps. They think they're about to die. You want to shoot a bad, just shoot them in the wallet. It'll, it'll kill them. <laughs> Come on now. Come on, all of you been there. Everybody's awake right now except one guy, and he, he don't usually listen to me. But listen, listen to me, listen to me. God help you. If you grudgingly give your life to God after what He gave you, say amen. Unspeakable gift. And so it ought to be personal, verse 6. It says, He that soweth. It ought to be planned, verse 7. It says, Let a man according to his purpose in his heart. You ought to plan to give God something. You ought to make plans this year to give more of your life to God than you did last year. No, I'm going to give my life to this. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be very disappointed and everybody else is going to be disappointed because that this is not fulfilling. Like money, sports, fame, fortune, this life. Go ahead and give your life to Shaw. Give everything you got to floor engineer. Give everything you got to bow you if that's still alive. I don't know. Give everything you got to your employer but you'll be disappointed one day because he'll probably forget you. If somebody comes along younger, he might fire you and hire two young ones. Yeah. Go ahead and live for your job. Now you ought to live for God. It's getting quiet in here. It ought to be personal. It ought to be planned. Verse 7, it says, he loves a cheerful giver. You ought to be positive. Not grudgingly. Cheerfully. Cheerfully. I'm sure when they count the offering, they don't count the offering saying, I wonder if they were pouting or shouting when they gave this. God will take you a little pouting money too, but I want to tell you this, friend. 
it's a whole lot better if you have your heart in it. I've seen people sing, I wish you'd sit down before you finish the song, because it looks like you're doing it for yourself. I'm not judging. And some people, they sing and make a mistake and say, well, I'll never sing again. Hey, why was you singing, for the Lord or for yourself? Or for them, you ought to be singing for Him. Same way with preaching. I've wanted to throw the outline in the garbage when I got home. Not the Bible, not the King James Bible. And my wife didn't tell me, but three times it was okay. It was a great sermon, it was a great sermon. She's a professional liar. Appreciate it. <laughs> I said, how did I do, honey? Oh, that was the one of your best. I said, thank God she lies. But I want to tell you, friend, listen. We ought to have a positive attitude about this worship. You know, some people, I, I, I'm going to tell you, some people... They come to church like it's a job. They come to prayer meeting. Can you get this over with? Please. I got five things to do in two ball games and a partridge in a pear tree to see. And I sure am sleepy because I gave all my life last night to that midnight special. And uh, you just get it over with, I'm leaving. They don't crack a smile. They don't crack a grin. They don't crack nothing. I just try to crack the preacher with that stare. <laughs> Baptist wave. The more you look at your watch, the more I preach. <laughs> hey, we ought to come positively. Then we ought to be persistent. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that with all, having always all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. It's one of the greatest chapters on the grace, of, greatest verses on the, on the, on the uh, grace of God in the Bible. Let me just show it to you. Number one, the source of grace. It's all grace. Look at it. It says God is able to make all grace. That's wonderful, isn't it? How many of you have been through a time where you just felt like dying, and God gave you grace to get through it? How many's been through a surgery? And you were scared to death. You couldn't drink water for 24 hours. And the doctor came in looking like a 16-year-old teenager and couldn't speak your language, no offense. And you, God gave you grace to get through it. Come on. I wish you'd think about the worst time in your life and you're still sitting here. That's the grace of God. So the measure of it is all grace. And then I see something else. I see the matter of it. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. There's the motion of it towards you. But folks, there's the manner of it. It's all grace. And then I love this. It says, here's the means of it, that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Isn't God good? No wonder Paul had to come up with a new Greek word for unspeakable. It's the means of it, sufficiency. My God is sufficient. My God's grace is sufficient. It's still well with my soul. A man wrote that song after losing four daughters to drowning. You know, the very spot that he, they said was where his four little daughters went down. He Horatio Spafford wrote that song, It Is Well With My Soul. That's grace. That's grace.
I don't think I could have wrote any song at that moment. But I want you to see the ministry of it, and I'll close. It says, in all things, I like those alls, don't you? And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having always having all sufficiency in all things. He's just altogether lovely, isn't he? It says, may abound to every good work. There's the ministry of it. This grace also. Let me talk to you in closing. God didn't bless you just to be blessed. God didn't bless you just to be happy. God blessed you to be a blessing. And I want to tell you something. Until you understand that, you're just a reservoir of self. But when you discover that, you become a channel of His grace. And that channel is cleansing. That channel is refreshing. That channel is glorifying. And let me say this, children, that channel is just plumb fun. It's fun being a Christian. But it's not fun being a selfish Christian. And it's not fun being a Christian that lives for themselves. See, when you're flowing, God fills you as you're flowing. I was in vacation Bible school, children, minding my own business, and this teacher got up with a flannel graph. Y'all know what a flannel graph is? No, you don't know what a flannel graph is. <laughs> Y'all got a wide-angle TV up there, praise God. PowerPoint, keynote. Y'all got all kinds of good stuff, amen? Y'all got, home, y'all got some video games at home, don't you? Come on. Or what? And she has a tablet, praise God. They don't know what a flannograph is. Well, anyway, when I was a kid in the Civil War and we were sitting there in the vacation Bible school, the lady got up with two little uh, illustrations. One of them was a big old flannograph that said Dead Sea. Then there was another flannograph that said Red Sea. Today, class, we're going to discover the difference in a Red Sea and a Dead Sea. A Dead Sea, nothing lives. A Dead Sea, it's stagnant. A Dead Sea's full of salt. The Dead Sea, you can float on it, praise God. You can't even sink. But the Red Sea, it's flowing. It's fresh. It's alive. And she said this, children. You know what the difference in the Red Sea is and the Dead Sea? The Dead Sea has no out has no outlet. It just water comes in, stagnates. But a Red Sea, it has an inlet and an outlet. And that's exactly what God's ordained your life to be, a blessing. It's amazing what you can remember in vacation Bible school with flannograph. Folks, God has called you to have an outlet. What is that outlet? Giving. Some of you, again, gripped your pocketbook. I didn't say a thing about money this morning. But let me just say this. If he's got your life, he's got your money. He's got your life, he's got your talents. He's got your life, he's got your children. Folks, I want to tell you something. Most parents do not want their teenagers coming to a mission conference because they're just afraid that God might call them to Egypt or South Africa or, God forbid, Korea. Hey, we ought to give our children because they're not our children, they're God's children. 
The ministry of grace keeps it flowing. It's a divine cycle. God gives all grace, all sufficiency towards you. But the Bible says that you may abound, that you may abound, that you may abound in every good work. You know what ought to bring you joy? That you can give somebody something this Christmas. But I'll tell you what ought to give you better joy and bigger joy and greater joy, that you can give God the glory. And you can say, Lord, this is your birthday. Lord, this is what your, this is your incarnation. This is your namesake. This is for you, God. And you've blessed me. And I want to be a sacred steward of your blessing and give to you my life. Let me just close and show you a picture of a cream-filled donut, children. Verse 11. It says in verse 10, Now he that ministered, we're 9, 10, you with me? Now he that ministered seed to the sower both ministered bread for your food and multiplied your seed sown and increased the fruit of your righteousness. Folks, I want to tell you something. If you got anything, it's because of God. If you got sanity, it's because of God. If you got any kind of health, it's because of God. Folks, there's, there's, there's preachers I know this morning that had to put one foot in front of each other and pray to God they could get out of bed so they could preach. With aches and pains and And, 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 and just, just no energy, hurting, sick, sick. But they want to give to God this morning. We got up and wassayed the church, got in our $40,000 truck, put on the stereo, cruised on in here and sat on the pew and said, I'm not happy. It says, being enriched in everything to all bountiful which causes through us thanksgiving to God. He wants you to be bountiful. But here, here, we go. here, here we go. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving unto God, while by the experiment of the ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, for your liberal, your liberal, your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gifts. Verse 11, there's a word that's a confectionary word. It has to do with bakery and I love cream filled bakery pastries you can have your little holy donut I like the cream in it cream filled I like it oozing out that little hole on the side <laughs> that you can lick it before you bite it I'm getting hungry now amen <laughs> Cleveland Highway here I come for the good old Dunkin' Donut. But the word enriched means pastry filled to overflowing. I once preached in South Carolina. I was preaching a missions conference and I had this great illustration I was going to have and I stopped by the Dunkin' Donut. It might have been Krispy Kreme and I got a cream filled donut and I put it in a bag, put it in the back seat and some guy 
robbed a bank and they shot him in the middle of the highway and so we were on the expressway for about hours trying to get to Greenville, South Carolina that night to preach on missions. And I pulled out my little old cream-filled donut as illustration. It done melted. It was the worst illustration I ever had in my life. They all laughed. But I think I got the point across that God has enriched you to overflowing. He's enriched you with grace. He's blessed you to be a blessing. And you should not hoard it. You should not spend it. You ought to invest it. Matthew 25. You know the story. Some got two talents, maybe five talents, ten talents, and a hundred talents. The one guy that got the one, he went and hid it. At the end of the story, the people came in that invested the five, turned into ten, and maybe it's not the right numbers, but you get, my, you get the drift. The guy invested a hundred and turned into two hundred. What did he say to him? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the what? Joy of the Lord. Great parable, Matthew 25. I ain't got time to go into it because some of you already left. But I want to say this. The one that just kept the one, God took it away from him and gave it to the one that multiplied. See, he's coming back as an investor. He said, what have you done with your life? What have you done with what I blessed you with? Well, I kept that one life to myself, Lord. I lived for my entertainment, my gusto, my pleasure. And he says, take it away from me. But that guy that said, hey, I didn't have much. I only had 10. That other guy had 20. I gave it to you, Lord, and you gave me 20 back in return. And he'll say, well done. And he'll say, enter into the joy of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That the Christmas spirit is not about getting. It's about giving. And it's about abounding. And it's about overflowing. And I'm glad I pastor a church that expresses the grace of giving. Not to me as a Christmas bonus. But to a missionary family that had to take their furniture and leave it there in their home maybe some of their clothing, and certainly their kids' friends, and go to Taiwan and have to go back very expensively over the border through customs every time and get back and train his national preachers. I'm glad I have a church that didn't begrudge that when you gave. But that's not what I'm preaching about. I'm preaching about God's giving you only one life. So soon it will pass. And only what's done for Christ will last. So give to Jesus all your days, for it's the only life that pays when you recall you have but one life. But may I add to that song? That one life, if you're saved, has been blessed with all grace and all sufficiency that you might be faithful in all good works. Father, use this message. God, I'm glad you changed it because I needed it. I'm glad you laid this on my heart early this morning. God, I thank you 
that we've got a remedy to selfishness. That we've got an antidote for self-centeredness. And dear God, we've got a much higher calling than self-sufficiency called the grace of God. Lord, help us to minister this grace also. This Christmas, Lord, that we'd realize the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of grace through us, to us, and through us for your redounding glory. God, enrich us, sweetness, spirit-filled control us that we might give this Christmas instead of being so occupied with getting this Christmas. And I believe, dear God, you'll be pleased and one day we can hear from you joy to your soul. The Lord has come. With every head bowed, every eye closed. And I just want to give you a brief invitation. What's your attitude towards Christmas? Oh, I'm stressed out. I ain't got that present and I don't know what to get the guy. And I had it all planned and now he it's changed and I got to eat Sunday afternoon and try to find that old joke or something. Well, you done lost it. <laughs> you missed it. How many think about what Jesus gave you? What he's given to you and what he shall give to you. And then he's given you the sacred trust to share it. Let me say, preacher, this, this, this morning, I'm glad I've received the grace of God and I'm saved. If I died today, I know I'd go to heaven. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship. I'm talking about the grace of God, God's riches at Christ's expense. I'm talking about Calvary. I'm talking about the death, burial, and resurrection. You say, preacher, I'm glad I've received the grace of God. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony that you're saved all over this place? Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. I mean, glad you're saved. Say amen. amen. You want to be a good steward of it, say amen. Amen. I sure do. I want my life to count. Several could not raise your hand. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to help you. I love you. Why? We started this church 42 years ago because we love you. We want to ask you a question. If you're not sure that you're saved, would you like to be sure? I'm, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, would you like to be sure? Well, the Bible tells us we can know because it's a gift of God. And you'd say, Preacher, I sure would like to be sure, and I want you to pray for me. Because I don't want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven. And I don't want to live for myself, I want to live for the Savior. I don't want to live to get, I want to give. I want to give my life, make it count. And you'd say, Preacher, please pray for me. I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. Would you slip your hand up high? for prayer and then back down. God bless you, I see that hand. Anybody else just say, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I sure would like to be. Come on, be honest. Aren't you tired of yourself? <laughs> Aren't you tired of this world? Hey, I know you're tired of sin. You're probably a pretty good fella, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. We all fall short. Anybody else? One's raised their hand. How about you? Yes, sir, I see that hand. Anybody else? I'm not sure I'm saved, but I sure would like to be. I want to know for sure. I want to make sure. Hey, listen, I want to tell you something. Don't you hope and wish. You better know that you've received the gift of Christmas, Jesus Christ. Two's raised their hand. Two adults. How about you? 
Anybody else? Anybody else? It takes childlike faith. And I want to tell you something, friend. You don't have to become a child. You don't have to be an adult to be saved, but you've got to be like a child, and that means trusting. Trusting. Anyone else? Before we pray, get in on this prayer. How many say, Preacher, I'm saved, but I want the Christmas spirit to flow through my life. I want to be spirit-filled to overflow. I want to be enriched. I want God to sweeten me. I want God to overflow through me. I want to love like God loves. I want to forgive like God's forgiven me. That's a challenge, isn't it? I just want to be his vessel. I want to be his fountain. I want to be, I want to be his channel, his channel of blessing. Not just this Christmas, but the rest of my life. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? God bless you. All over this place, all over this place. Amen. 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 No greater life than to lay your life down for a friend. And your life for a friend called Jesus. Father, thank you, Lord, for convicting my heart. Lord, I want to give more of my life. I want to give more of my, my time, my talent, my energy, my thought life. I want to give it all. Lord, I thank you that what you gave me is indescribable. It's unspeakable what you've given me. I could never even categorize it. I can't even list it, what you did in my little old life. And I thank you for it. Lord, I now pray for those that raise their hand to be saved. If they're truly meaning that, that they would come and let us show them with a counselor the Bible, let that trained counselor take the Bible on this front row and show them how to be saved and know it. God, for Christians, I pray that we'd come and be filled with the Spirit of God enough to pray for the lost and not worry about our lunch or our shopping trip or our sports game we're going to watch. God, we'd hit this altar and say, Dear, dear Lord, more of me. Let me be a vessel and channel of your grace. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do through this simple message. In Jesus' name, amen.